0: Um, Okay, Um, I have uh, slightly shorter than uh, normal, so uh, let's crack on. I'm going to read Titus 2. Uh, I thought I might get somebody else to read it again, but that didn't work too well last week. It kind of went all over the place, no offense, (laughs) so I thought I'd read it myself. Titus 2, your duty is to lead them to embrace a lifestyle that is consistent with sound doctrine. Lead the male elders into disciplined lives full of dignity and self-control. Urge them to have a solid faith, generous love, and patient endurance. Likewise with the female elders, lead them into lives free from gossip and drunkenness and to be teachers of beautiful things. This will enable them to teach the younger women to love their husbands, love their children, and to be self-controlled and pure, taking care of their household and being devoted to their husbands. By doing these things, the Word of God will not be discredited. Likewise, guide the younger men into living disciplined lives for Christ. Above all, set yourself apart as a model of a life nobly lived. With dignity, demonstrate integrity in all that you teach. Bring a clear, wholesome message that cannot be condemned, and then your critics will be embarrassed with nothing bad to say about us. Servants are to be supportive of their masters and do what is pleasing in every way. They're not to be argumentative, nor steal, but prove themselves to be completely loyal and trustworthy. By doing this, they will advertise through all that they do the beautiful teachings of God, our Saviour. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. This same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. And it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. For we continue to look forward to the joyful fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed One. He sacrificed himself for us that we might purchase our freedom, uh, sorry, that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. So preach these truths and exhort others to follow them. Be willing to expose sin in order to bring correction with full authority without being intimidated by anyone. I'd like to tell you first how to listen to a sermon. Sermons are not isolated bits of information that somebody has worked on over here during a week and and brings together with with the other bits that other people have worked on in their various homes and, and places of practice and so on. Um, And it just gets thrown together in a a big mess. Um, It's it's like a a recipe. There is a cook. It's not an image that we normally use for for God, but he's, he's a chef, and he brings together ingredients. Just capture what the Holy Spirit's been doing in your heart this morning. Just capture what he was bringing to the front during worship. The various prophetic Aspects that were brought out through the worship, through those that, that brought contributions. It's not so much that you have to have a phrase or a sentence, but simply catch hold of what the, the flavour of what the Holy Spirit is doing in you and listen through that flavour. Does that make sense? Listen through the... Let's change the, the, the metaphor. Listen through the sound that has already been spoken. Because what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life right now is what he is speaking through the morning. There will be lots of good information, well, I hope there'll be lots of good information in the talk. Um, I'm trusting, and so are you, that it's accurate information. But you won't remember all of it and you don't need to right at this moment. What you need to catch hold of is what is the thing that the, the Lord's saying? Right, let's review what we looked at last week. Uh, chapter one, Paul was entrusted with something and the question was, what about us? What have we been entrusted with? Um, Cretans, which is where Titus was, was sent to, that uh, gorgeous island in the mid Mediterranean, uh, uh, they had bad reputations because they were mercenaries, they were, uh, they were kind of, it was a place where you, you didn't go if you were looking for people of high quality character. Um, what are we known for, was the the question we looked at. And lastly, uh, falsehood distorts everything. If I'm honest, I don't think I communicated this very well last night. I drove away feeling a bit dissatisfied about this. So if you were were left confused by what I was trying to say, I apologize. Um, Basically, what is redeemable, we can redeem. There are some things that we can't redeem because they're not redeemable. You can't redeem sin. But stuff that is redeemable, when we come to it it brings redemption to it. It's a bit like Paul saying, um, should, we, should the believers at the time eat food sacrificed to idols? He said, look, if it doesn't trouble your conscience, you just go ahead, because the fact that it's been offered to an idol is no problem as far as the Spirit's concerned. But if it troubles your conscience or it's going to trouble somebody else's conscience, don't do it. Just, just back off, because that's fine. Okay? That's really what, what he was saying, and that's what I was trying to say. We bring redemption to the things that can receive redemption. On to chapter two. Right, uh, three points, which might become two. Firstly, character needs to be consistent with godliness. We looked at, uh, still on that, We, we looked at character last week, but it's here again in chapter two. Bear in mind the context. With epistles like this, always bear in mind the context. This was written to a group of people living two thousand years ago in a very different culture. So there are a number of things in the translation that we need to be aware of. Um, I deliberately chose a translation that used the word elders. Um, when we get to verse three, and it says likewise the female elders. Not because I'm trying to make a point, but because I'm trying to the point I am trying to emphasize is that uh, Paul isn't talking to the church leaders. He's talking to the older members of the congregation, perhaps those that have been Christians for a while. He's talking to the men and to the women. He's talking to the men and he's saying, uh, you need to have disciplined lives full of integrity and self-control. Urge them to have solid faith, generous love and patient endurance. What does that tell you? They didn't have those things. They didn't have solid faith, they didn't have generous love and they didn't have patient endurance. That's what Cretans were known for. And those things, that the Spirit of God brings into us solid faith, generous love, and patient endurance. So if those older male believers were not exhibiting those things, then they're not exhibiting what the Spirit of God is doing within them. And Paul is saying, point this out to them. Show them. Now, we don't know what else they were doing. They may have been good at some things, and there may have been some other stuff that wasn't too good, but these are the things that Paul is emphasizing. What we must not do is take literally what Paul is saying and say, well, that's always going to apply to all older men, okay? In the same way uh, with women, with female elders, with older women in the church, lead them into their lives free from gossip and drunkenness. That does not mean that on the whole women in the church are going to be gossipy and drunk, okay? Now, if that's a problem, please get some help. Deal with it, Okay? (laughs) I'm not aware that it's a problem, all right? Um, It's saying those things are inconsistent with the life of the Spirit within us. So what we need to take away from this is, is there anything in our lives which is inconsistent with the life of the Spirit within us? These are particular examples. In our setting, those examples will be different. And it might be to do with joy it might be to do with faithfulness it might be to do with the way that we use our money it might be to do with our relationships between husband and wife or between um, people that we're close to within the church the question is do we have integrity It moves on uh, later. It's verse 5 here. By doing these things the word of God will not be discredited. All right. let's again, let's just be clear about this. Paul does not mean this. He's not talking about this. Because they didn't have this. He's not talking about the word of God. The fact that we sometimes refer to this as the word of God does not bear relation to what Paul is saying. They didn't have books. Most of them couldn't read. um, And For those who were not from a Jewish background, they wouldn't have been familiar with the the, the Jewish Old Testament. So what does he mean? What's he talking about? What will not be discredited? The thing that won't be discredited is the message of Christ that they embody. You carry the word of God. The word became flesh, right? Yes, Graham. And so uh, the spirit that lives in us is the spirit of Jesus who was the word became flesh. So the message that you embody is the important thing that mustn't be discredited. And therefore the message of salvation and of hope and of everything else. So the whole emphasis on character is to do with the integrity of the message that we communicate. So if if we as a body of people, let's talk about us, if we want to say to people we have hope and they come into our environment, not even just our gatherings but into our, our homes, our family life, our other gatherings and meetings and they're not finding hope, then our lifestyle is not measuring up against what we say. These days, we get confused on this issue because we talk about this is the word of God, so when we read that the word of God won't be discredited, we think immediately of the written word. Okay, the written word lines up with what we have living in our lives. That's why we've got it, okay? But it's not talking directly about that. It's talking about the spirit of God within us. Second point. So let me just read this the last bit I've written there. The word of God does not mean the Bible. It refers to the word that lives in us, the spirit of Jesus. It is God's message of hope for us individually and for all those around us. It's just like the Ron Seal advert. That's what the title that I have is. This is is showing us how to live like what it says on the tin. It's not a challenge of me saying, come on, church, live like it says. It's saying we can live like this. We can live just like we read. We it's no good if we read it and say oh I can't live like that, that's not the truth when we read something or when we hear something or when the Spirit enlivens something within us our response is I can do that thank you, Amen okay let's move on be an example Personal integrity is is key. Um, I've done a bit of teaching in my time. Integrity is one of the words that that I used to use quite a lot. And I used to try and explain it to my pupils uh, like this. Noah, I hope you'll appreciate this. Just shows my deep understanding of your craft. Okay. Integrity is when you look at a piece of furniture and you say that is wood, solid wood, the same on the inside as you see on the outside. That is wood all the way through. My kitchen table has integrity. It is not veneered. It is one solid piece of wood. All the way through believe me I've had to move it often and I know it's it's got integrity that thing it's solid doesn't like to be moved okay a lot of what we live with is veneered okay now I've got nothing against veneered furniture all right Uh, hear me now I've got nothing against veneered furniture (laughs) but it's not the same in the middle as it is on the outside it may be good but it's not the same what we need to have and this is back to the first point we need to be the same on the outside as we are on the inside now there's generally speaking there's only one person who knows if you're the same on the outside as you are on the inside and that's you okay the closer we allow people to get to us the more they'll observe that so when we live in this type of community uh, if you see something which looks like one thing on the outside and the other on the inside you know that it's not lining up. And sometimes that's because there's a problem and sometimes it's just because uh, there's some maturity needed. Paul is talking particularly about a work setting. And for me, uh, this is the thing that I felt the, the spirit really uh, landing on in preparation. Let me read this from verse nine. Servants are to be supportive of their masters and do what is pleasing in every way. They, uh, not to be argumentative, not to steal. Okay, we don't have... So, well, I don't know, some of you might have servants. I haven't been to your houses when the servants have been there. But uh, um, I don't have servants anymore. They both got married and they've left home. So, <laughs> so it's not talking about servants. We don't, we don't have a servant culture, not in, in this sense. It's not talking about slaves. It's talking about, at the time, what was known as bond servants. Servants who had made a choice to stay with their master. So I read this a bit like employees. By and large, employees make a choice to be employed by somebody. You apply for a job, you get offered the job, you say yes, okay? Uh, So it's talking about employees and it's talking about employers. Let me read it again and take a little license with it. Employees are to be supportive of their employers and do what is pleasing in every way. They're not to be argumentative. Don't argue with your boss. I'm not saying don't disagree, just don't argue with them. We'll find out why later on. Don't steal. OK, now most people haven't got their hand in the till. Some of you might. If you have, please see me afterwards, and let's have a really short talk about it. But. Um, uh, Here's an example. Uh, I, a few years ago, uh, went part self-employed, and I had to start doing my tax returns. And as soon as I started to do my tax returns, I was tempted to fiddle them. I have to be honest. I, was, I have to say, is this, is this receipt legitimate? Was this a legitimate work receipt, or is this just something else? Esther's looking really worried about that. Esther's a lawyer, by the way. Hi. Sorry, it's good character-building stuff, Esther. Okay. Um, And I I noticed there was a temptation there, and I had to really check myself. And I just thought, it's really tough for people filling in their expense forms to be completely honest about it. Now, if you've been doing it for a while and you're great about it, that's fine. But it it just struck me that suddenly, Paul says, you know, the law was there. As soon as the law was there, I understood what sin was. Before the law was there, I didn't understand what sin was. As soon as there was a regulation, I understood what it was to try and bend the regulation. Employees are to be supportive, pleasing in every way, not argumentative, not steel, but prove themselves to be completely loyal and trustworthy. By doing this, and I love this uh, version, by doing this, they will advertise through all that they do or as, uh, as it say up there, yeah. If you, uh, I dug into this as we well. advertise means to adorn or to beautify the doctrine of God. By doing this, you will advertise, that is to adorn or beautify the doctrine of God through all that you do. Uh, the beautiful teachings of God our Saviour. It doesn't read very well with the extra bit in it, but basically, if you do this well, you will glorify God in your workplace. Now, this is what I, I mean by listening to what's in the sermon through what happens in the rest of the meeting. Because we sang a lot about Jesus. There was a lot about the light of Jesus. Um, Rachel came and, and sang, and it was about standing on something that was solid and immovable and so on. My sense is that as, as a group of people, the Lord is inviting us into a closer walk with him so that in our workplaces, those who, of you who are in them, a different situation for me, but the majority of people in workplaces, that the, the beauty and the doctrine of God will shine through all that you are. You see, when you walk into your workplace tomorrow morning, the light enters. The darkness trembles. We sang it, okay? It's not a phrase from Scripture, but it's a scriptural idea the darkness goes oh no the light's here and it kind of scuttles off to its corner and it sits there not daring to move because the light is there you give permission to the darkness to do something if you don't fill the space with light the darkness will fill it so our job is to fill the space with light wherever we are whether it's college or um or, or any other setting that we are doesn't have to be an employed situation just a situation where where we go in and we set the tone because of who we are and what we carry and the more that we live in integrity with the word that is inside us the more powerful that is okay does that make sense makes sense to me so i'm assuming it makes sense to all of you Okay, last, last bit, very quickly. This is simply our motivation. Paul is writing here to Timothy and saying, hey, just keep this in mind. We continue to look forward to the joyful fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed One. He sacrificed himself for us that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed, and to purify for himself a people who are his own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. The purpose of his sacrifice was that he would be glorified in you. It Wasn't only to save you from sin and to clean you up. Yes, all of that is true, of course it is, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more that he might be glorified through you individually through every aspect every facet of your life i would like particularly that we pray for those people who just as the kids come back in that we pray for those people who are in employment situations or some other situation where you go into something even if you're a volunteer or whatever it is and and you know you're conscious of carrying the light and you just want to do that more and more effectively if that resonates with you at all, please stand up. We're going to pray for you and then we're going to finish. Father, you are the light. You're the light of the world. Through Jesus, you are the light of the word. Through your spirit in us, we are the light of the world. And our prayer in this moment is that in the place where you have appointed us in the place you have chosen us to go in the place where we have the gifts and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be effective that you will make us more and more effective we pray that you will change us from the inside out pray for courage for people I pray for particular relationships that are difficult that you will bring your light and love into them i pray for relationships between employees and employer and the other way around that whatever we represent here that we will bring the light of christ into those in jesus name and we look forward in the same way that we prayed for france for uh small but growing number of evangelical churches to be effective in that nation. We pray for a small but growing number of spirit-filled people to be effective in their workplaces across this city and wherever we are to be found. And we ask this in the wonderful and beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.